Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. Hey, welcome to Lead Time. My name is Tim Allman here with Jake Bessling. Good to see you. We are pumped to have you here today to learn with us. We have Gary Kinneman in my office today on this podcast, episode number 13. And uh, we pray we learn something today from Gary. This world is divisive. Uh, We take sides. We pridefully compete against one another. And this not only happens in the business world, unfortunately, it even happens in churches. We compare, we compete. Large churches sometimes behave as if they are autonomous from other types of faith communities. Smaller churches may feel insecure, thinking that they have less kingdom-expanding potential than larger communities, or, on the other hand, they pridefully view their small size as an indicator of theological purity. Sometimes they even think that larger churches must be watering down the gospel if they're gaining more Christian market share. I've heard that. Oh, my goodness. Don't get me going. There must be a better way. There has to be a better way, and there has to be a way that unites us, elevates our shared kingdom-expanding potential, leveraging the unique gifts of each expression of the body of Christ in a variety of dif- different locations across the globe. There is a better way, and Gary Kinneman, we are pumped to have you here with us today to explore that better way. Gary has been an incredible mentor to me over the past five years. He has been a reader for me on my thesis, which is all about interchurch collaboration in mission, and Gary and I are also part of a prayer group, which we'll talk about a little bit later, the power of prayer uh, from with folks from different uh, sectors of the body of Christ, different tribes of the body of Christ. So Jerry, or Gary, it is a uh, joy to have you with us here, brother. Gary, I don't know. Where did you grow up? I grew up right here in Arizona. You're uh, an Arizona native. Well, no, I no. grew up here. Grew up here. Yes. Where were you born? People ask me, uh, why did you move to Arizona from okay. Ohio? Okay. Ohio. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Cleveland. Cleveland. Okay. <laughs> yes. And I I tell them, my my mom and dad put me in the back seat of the car, and I followed them to Arizona. (laughs) This is true. Yes, this is true. When I was seven, we came out here, and we had no air conditioning. We had no air conditioning in the car. There was no interstate between here and Cleveland. It took five days to drive back to visit my grandparents. Miserable. Yeah, two two lanes all the way. Oh, my word. Yeah, so I grew up here in Arizona. Cool. Where'd you go to college? Uh, well, I went to, I started my, my life at a Lutheran college, which no longer exists. Yeah. St. John's my dad Winfield. Went, yeah, St. my John's dad went there too. Yeah, St. John's Winfield. Johnny, is that what they call it? Oh yeah, Johnny's. we were Johnny's. Yeah. And then, and then I went to Biola where we were Betty's and Bob's. Wow. You've been a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> my wife and I finished our undergrad work at Biola and then I've done graduate work at Arizona State and I've done a couple of seminary degrees. Uh, at Fuller and uh, Western Conservative Baptist Seminary, which uh, became Phoenix Seminary here. I did it here locally. Oh, and so I like to tell people, uh, I'm not sure what I believe anymore. <laughs> That I know actual. what not to say in a Lutheran church. Oh, you're That's right. Funny. I got my uh, <laughs> Master's of Arts at Fuller as well. Oh, did you? Phoenix, and then now I'm at uh, um, Phoenix Seminary for my doctorate. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we'll chat, we'll chat more about that as well. Yeah, but yeah, with yeah. that whole leadership and educational journey, tell us more about um, how you then uh, came to be a pastor for many years here in the Valley. What's your leadership journey like? Well, uh, it really started with a family, uh, kind of family heritage, uh, my my. Both of my great grandfathers on my mother's side were, were Lutheran pastors. My my uh, 
My mother's two brothers were pastors. Uh, all of my mother's uncles were either pastors or farmers, mm. and most of them were pastors. Okay. And uh, I was the firstborn uh, in in the next generation, and I, I can't really tell you why. I just was inclined to go into the ministry, mm-hmm. and you know, I pastored a very very large church, as you guys both know. But my grandfather was a big inspiration to me. Uh, he had a little tiny church in Cleveland called Christ Lutheran Church for the Deaf. Whoa! He had a uh, his whole congregation was deaf. Hmm. My grandmother played the organ. I asked her why they would do that. <laughs> why are you playing the organ? Yes. <laughs> she said they can feel they the music. The yeah. So yeah. I was yeah. introduced at that time to Pentecostal Christianity. You can feel the music. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, you know, that's always been a, a significant element of of perspective for me. My grand my grandfather's church, his his ch- church with a rose, uh, rosette rosetta. Uh, stained glass window up at the front of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. I can still see that. Mm-hmm. Um, that church was about the same size as the chair storage room in our life center at my church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the question is, well, you know, what's success? It's, it's so much more about just being faithful mm-hmm. where God places you. Yeah. yeah. You're so, considered by many here in the Phoenix area to be, and don't let this go to your head, you know this, but to be kind of like a bishop here. Uh, you have, you have uh, rolled in a lot of different inner ecumenical circles from Catholics to Pentecostals to Lutherans. You worship here from time to time and, and you are so highly respected here for your faithfulness um, at Word of Grace for many, many years now, Hillsong. And, and thank you for your investment in the lives of so many. You are an encourager and you foster collaboration and partnership. So tell us a little bit about how you establish that sort of heart for inner church connection and collaboration and partnership. Uh, you know, again, you know, you, you see your life, you look back on your life and, and uh, you, you see the hand of God guiding you and directing you and opening doors and closing doors. And, uh, you know, some people have a real clear calling, uh, the calling of God, a clear moment when they can say, well, God spoke to me. Uh, and I just look back at my life and it just, it's been a series of, providential events and opportunities. And for some reason, I've always had, I've had a heart for the broader Christian community. I think what what really initiated this, a couple of things uh, for me uh, as a pastor of, of a growing church, uh, I, I, at times I couldn't take the drama and you guys are working in the church, and there's no there's no drama. Oh, not not, yeah, at not all. Uh, not Lutheran church. Not Lutheran. No, <laughs> I'm not just talking about skits on the weekend. You know, to oh, illustrate okay. the sermon. Okay, that's... yeah, and and uh, and I I always have a I always had a hard time, and, and sometimes I still do. I mean, I, I'm involved in some reconciliation issues, and I have a really hard time understanding why. Uh, why people don't really, they don't have the capacity to to give space to other people to make peace. Jesus said years ago, this was a theme in my life. Blessed are the peacemakers, mm-hmm. not just the peaceful. Most people in the church want to be peaceful, but the peacemakers. And is that, is that, a, is that an easy task? No, ask Jesus. He came to make peace between mm-hmm. us and God, and it cost him his life in a bitter death. And uh, so, you know, I, I wanted to, put uh, a sign on my door, you know, before you come into my office, uh, please read this verse, you know, (laughs) be at peace with all men Hmm. as far as it's within your capacity to do so. That's in Romans. And, and then I, I personally went through, you know, the, the drama just ramped up 
um, I like to call it my year from hell. Wow. And uh, it wasn't persecution from communists or atheists. It just was stuff in the church. Hmm. And um, it literally almost killed me. I, I, I had a heart-related, uh, I had a stress-related heart, serious heart problem. And uh, as a result of that, I, I went to a, a dear friend, Al Els. Um, I think Tim has met him now. Absolutely. And, and Al, is a, he's a counselor, especially to pastors and leaders. Um, he was just, just over the last week, he was up in Michigan in, in the middle of some church conflict up there helping them. And, and uh, he became a very close friend. And um, I, had to, I had to talk to somebody. And, and, and it was in, in that season of my life, I realized how, how desperately I, I needed others. I just couldn't do it on my own. And, um, and I, I don't know that we recognize the need for others to speak into our life. Mm. And the more successful you are, the harder it is to listen and the harder it is for people actually to be honest with you. Yeah. But uh, Al, uh, Al and I wrote a book together called Leaders at Last, which Tim, you've I love seen, it. and I love it. it's about how we in leadership need peer relationships. Um, and I think I've shared this with you personally, Tim, but every Christian, virtually every Christian knows I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Mm. But I've asked lots of people, uh, what's the next verse say? No one has ever been able to tell me. <laughs> Jacob. <I've> Don't asked. ask. <laughs> It says, it actually begins with the word yet. Yet. Okay. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we, we want some kind of a benediction there in the name of the Father amen. and of the Son and of the Holy amen. Spirit. Amen. Something a world without end. Amen. Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, the very next verse says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was good of you yeah. to share in my That's troubles. In my suffering, mm-hmm. my trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Paul's talking actually about, about monetary support, but monetary support always uh, goes much deeper than just uh, the yeah. numbers in your bank account. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, so that's sort of, sort of how I how I grew into this. So if you think before your kind of crisis hell year and then after kind of before, what would you have done different if you were to go back before that? I did nothing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean, I didn't I did nothing really to reach out. OK, you had uh, opportunities, maybe I, I did have opportunities to reach out to other guys. Or, yeah. I, oh, sure. Yeah, I, yeah. But I, I didn't really reach out until I faced uh, insurmountable questions about me, about the ministry, about how to address these kinds of things. What's the root cause, though, of why you might not have, why a lot of people at that caliber yep. just don't take the uh, the yes that I would sit down and talk about this? Uh, well, Jesus uh, said uh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And you know, what is the kingdom of God? That's not going to heaven. That's really experiencing the fullness, the, yes. the shalom. Yes. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus, I, I don't think he's just talking about wealth. It's the self-sufficiency that wealth brings, uh. the self-sufficiency that uh, that uh, success brings. And, and uh, those two are things that are interrelated. Uh, and... Um, you know, you have, you know, I have thousands of people in the church, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know, please, listeners, don't misunderstand me, but it's like the pastor of a big church is like a God and everybody's just loving him and he's just wonderful and their life is being changed. And then he has some cranky people and he has people on his staff and his board who don't consider him to be a God. 
And it's really easy to dismiss the, the people who actually have your best interests in mind mm. and actually can see and say things to you that no one else can. Yeah. yeah we're just normal people, Gary. <laughs> and I mean, we are remarkably human. And I wish... We make appeals to to God's people here in a community, a church that's also experiencing some growth and things that we are available to meet. We want to know you and to be known by you. Uh, This is about mutual relationship, a consolation of brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not about just one guy on some sort of platform or stage bringing God's word to you from some elevated position. No, we are one with the body of Christ here. And I think the more we take that posture and and we have to expose the elephant in the room that, yes, we know that some of you may think we are not accessible. We are not here for you. But frankly, not only are we here for you, we need your help. Mm-hmm. And where you see me in my life, my rhythm sliding off the rails, please, a loving thing to do is to speak. Yes. To let me know. Yeah. And I, I will receive it. You have my, and if I don't receive it, I got some other people in my world. They're going to call me out when I don't receive it right. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I did as a leader. I gave people permission. Yeah. The people closest to me to talk to me about anything. I said, it may not be easy for me. I may not want to even listen to, to you, or I may not agree with what you're saying. But in the end, it, you know, it's it's going to it's going to touch me and and redirect me. Yeah. So as a pastor of a large church, then moving forward after your your year of hell, um, you probably you changed a lot about maybe your rhythms, including other people in your life, mm-hmm. your circles, not rows uh, of people. Then um, you might be a pastor out there, and you're thinking, I I can't let people get close to me. I mean, especially not someone on my board or maybe a, a team member. If they knew this thing, this elephant in the room, this sin, this struggle, maybe they'd look different. So, who do you trust? How do you? How do you? What's your boundaries? Your your mode there? Is it people in the church? Is it outside of the church? How did you find that strength from those other people? Well, I I don't think uh, what I'm about to say. I don't think it's it's about pretending with people that are in the church. But my 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 experience has That's been Gary's phone, I believe. <laughs> yes. if you he's a busy that, man. Yes, no, I will not. <laughs> okay. I will not. Okay, awesome. thank you. It's okay. my accountant, actually. <laughs> don't answer uh, that. No, no. Keep going. He'll keep you accountable. <laughs> um, uh, so. Um, ask me the question again now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a little ADD. Moving forward in your life after that year of hell, what were some um, special boundaries that you had in place? I mean, did you reach out to people in your church and um, have this circle of accountability um, or was yes. it also outside yeah. of your church? So I, I have strong feelings about this and you know, it, it's, it's very difficult for a, a pastor to find his primary source of wisdom and counseling from people in the church. Um, Unless perhaps it's a professional counselor who understands uh, the necessity of of confidentiality. Mm -hmm. Um, My my colleague and friend Al Els has said that we as pastors live in a culture where failure, uh, failure uh, is is, uh, not acceptable. And and sometimes a failure can be something that's not even really sinful. It's just your personality. Sure. Um, and so uh, it, we have a, a, a culture where, where failure sometimes defines us more than our success. If we're perceived as being really successful and really godly and then something goes wrong mm-hmm. and we re- respond in the wrong sort of way. Um, and so... I think it's. I think that's why we have these. Uh, t- Tim and I are in, involved in a, a covenant group where we are pastors together, uh, and 
and we can talk about anything and everything. And, uh, and there's, it doesn't get back. It, it doesn't affect our, our, our profession, our careers. Um, I, I have had a group for 20, over 20 years. I uh, see my, my friend Al, Al's regularly. I have a dear friend who's an Anglican bishop and I have confessed sins to him. Uh, and I've invited him to speak into my life. My son is, is really supremely successful in, in ministry now. And we have a really good relationship. And, you know, he's addressed things uh, in my life, you mm-hmm. know, just personality issues. And, and But you have to give people permission. So um, I, I want to get back a little bit to the whole idea of building bridges with other ministries, because I think that's important. You know, I mentioned earlier that I, I have education from from a Lutheran school, a non-denominational school, a, a public university, a, 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 a Baptist a seminary, um, Fuller Theological Seminary, which is multi-denominational. And I, I think in, in those kinds of experiences, you learn that Christians express themselves differently. They have different practices. Um, they have different elements of their of their belief system. Your church has a doctrinal statement, sure, and you have to believe it's right. Yeah, uh, but that doesn't mean it is, and it doesn't mean that everybody else's is wrong. Exactly. And uh, you know, I we we discovered years ago uh, that that being a Lutheran gives you one language uh, that they don't speak at Biola University. Hmm. So when when we applied to Biola, I had learned that language by being involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. My wife. No doubt in my mind that she's always been um, a deeply committed follower of Jesus. She wrote out her testimony in Lutheran language, right? And it bounced. It came back. Could you please clarify? Because not only do you have to believe in Jesus, you have to be able to explain it in a certain way. And if you don't explain it in a certain way, that creates doubts in people who believe that yes, you have to believe in Jesus, but you have to believe it in a certain way. So, you know, having been a Lutheran and and having experienced. Uh, lots of contexts in local churches, different kinds of churches. I preached in a, in a wide range of different churches. Uh, you know, I, I would say that Lutherans understand there are Christians outside of the Lutheran church. <laughs> but we also... Hopefully we they al- understand that. Yeah, hopefully. But we also know that God is Lutheran. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, yeah. But I mean, everybody feels like Catholic, God yeah. is Catholic. Right, right, you know, right. Or... or <laughs> Where God is assemblies of God, you know, mm-hmm. God's Pentecostal, you know, that, that when Jesus mm-hmm. comes back, that's where he's going to go to church, you know? So, um, and how, so let's just pause right there, Gary. This is amazing. We love same. We are uncomfortable with diversity of theological um, perspective or just lifestyle diversity. We live in a, in a polarized world that yearns to be around those who are, who are yes. the same. Yes. And how... How do you foster that sort of desire to say, hey, there is truth, but yet I also know that Jesus says we're followers of his, not because of our theological purity, but because of the way we love one another. Yes. They'll know you're my disciples because of the way you love. And to come into a conversation with someone who shares a different angle, let's say just theological, different theological nuance or or angle. Or political. Or political angle. Yeah, riled up. up. Exactly. How can I listen and love before I judge and correct them? The relationship has to be what's at the foundation, correct? Yes. Well, I, I could put it really simply. Jesus has to be in front of me, between me and you, Tim. Yeah. 
not behind me. Yeah. Mm. Backing me up. Backing me up. Yeah. Yeah. I all, I have to see everyone through Jesus, through a lens of Jesus. And we have a, we have a, you know, why Christians have such a hard time understanding this. We have a perfect model and explanation mm. in first Corinthians, which was a church that was as dysfunctional as any any church could be today. Divisive. Divisive. Yeah. Especially divisive. There immoral. Are div- immoral. Immoral. There are divisions among you. They were following different leaders uh, who probably had different uh, focuses in, in, in their teaching. There's different styles, different practices. And, and Paul has a very simple solution. <laughs> you guys probably can quote it with me. Yeah. I, I am determined to know nothing. Nothing. But nothing. But Christ. But Jesus, Jesus Christ and him, him crucified. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And nothing. And so I, I love to say it's Jesus plus nothing. Right. Mm. Because if it's Jesus plus something, the something always becomes a point of division. And it doesn't mean that the something isn't important, but it's never as important as Jesus. So we have to make him preeminent in everything. Mm. And uh, it's, it's very clear there. The simple gospel uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Mm. Okay. So let me, let me just th- throw a, a controversial bone into this discussion. You know, Catholics, I, I can't imagine a Catholic any place in the world not believing John three sixteen. Yeah. And people right away will back up and say, but yeah, but, you know, they believe things that I could never believe or they practice. They do. They have practices I would never do. Uh, and and uh, so you don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you don't. So you're, you're saved based on Jesus plus, plus having works. slightly less junk than everybody else. Is right. that right? Right. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And this is the, this is the this is the core of of, of the Lutheran Church. Yeah. That we're I, saved by grace alone. I talked to a Catholic brother or sister. You no, know, it was a brother the other a uh, couple months ago, and he said, "You know, we believe Ephesians two eight and nine. <laughs> We've been reading Paul's. <laughs> For by grace you've been saved. It's not of yourself. It's yes. a gift. You know, yes. we we actually believe that." And now the way we're living it out, the way we're exp- are there some nuances? Absolutely, absolutely. But the foundation of Jesus plus nothing—that's that's there for our Catholic, all the way over to our Pentecostal brothers and yes. sisters. The nuances, and we have to start with what unites rather than what divides. And then, based on the relationship, we can lean into some harder topics, and, and all centered on the Word of God. Yes, and and there is only one thing that unites us, and that's our our relationship with Jesus. Jesus. Um, you know, it's, uh, we, I was just talking with my friend Joe Tosini about this, uh, that there, there's sibling love and there's parental love, which is stronger. I mean, I would say parental love. Yes. I would hope so. Yes. That seems what it's harder for, uh, you know, I love all my kids, all my grandkids. Sure. And, uh, you know, some of them might be easier to get along with. And some of them may be more complicated, but I love them with 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 equal measures of love. And mm-hmm. as all these people have been added to my life, three children, three spouses, in-laws, uh, nine grandchildren, uh, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. But the sibling love is like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. It's, it's not just being a son, it's being a good son. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and sibling love has its limits. And we see that in the body of Christ. And it just has to break the father's heart. 
that his children are not. Um, my, my, uh, who was it that, that said this, um, just this week, I, I, oh, my father-in-law, you know, I, I never heard this story, but Marilyn, we were having lunch together and we were talking about this sibling love and parent love. And my, my father-in-law, uh, not long before he died, he said, I just hope that all of you will get along with one another. Ooh. You know, and this this is really uh, an, an it's a powerful metaphor of the love of God. Uh, God's love is not uh, contingent on certain things, no matter how important those things are. It's it's absolutely unconditional. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. It is so sad when we will sit with someone um, in the family after someone's died. And it's a hard way forward because all the relational strife comes forward. So whoever you are listening today, you have a choice uh, to choose joy, choose life, choose to engage the hardest of hardest um, conversations and love your enemies uh, with that unconditional love of Jesus. And put Jesus between you. That was so powerful. Not behind you, not in your pocket, (laughs) not where you want him, but let him be God in the middle middle of all of that. Paul Paul says this, uh, submit to one another. You know that verse in Ephesians, Ephesians 5, I think it's 21. Right before he talks about husbands and husbands wives and, wives, yeah. and parents and children. It starts, though, with submitting submit to one another. And that, but it's not just an activity. Mm-hmm. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yes. See? So it's not a doctrine that divides us. It's not a marital issue that divides us. It's not a family issue that divides us. So you know I've been working on my thesis around pastors collaborating churches working together. Um, and, and I'm just looking at the Lutheran church, Missouri Synod, specifically congregations here in the East Valley. And yet it is still complicated. It's, it's difficult. It takes a lot of time, a lot of trust relationship, uh, build up, uh, to, to lead us to actually care and share, uh, resources, people all for the elevation of the name of, of Jesus. So why Gary, do you think it is hard for pastors and therefore intern churches uh, to work together in any sort of, of meaningful way. Well, I, I just think it's our, our carnality. Uh, you know, it's 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 sin in us. And Paul says, I, "I'm determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified." And and he also says in Galatians two twenty, "I am crucified with Christ." And so uh, Al Els likes to put it this way. Uh, the first one to the cross wins. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> but the first one to the cross has to give it die, up. Die, has die. to die. Die to right. self. So when you die, you got nothing to defend. You die to yourself, to your doctrinal statement, to your convictions. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'm working hard on uh, walking alongside pastors, and that is so powerful that we need to to die. And in that dying, be raised to newness of life to see Jesus at work, that each congregation, each pastor has gifts to receive and gifts to give. I have gifts in my life, but I also have gaps. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I got numerous gaps and I need especially others in my vocational area to help highlight. I've said this before um, to brothers because friends, listeners, you know that 
Pastor Jake and I, we do, it's Jake and Tim, but in this conversation, it's Pastor Jake and Pastor Tim. We do ministry in a historical, confessional, conservative, biblical, (laughs) sacramental. I mean, all of these words help clarify who we are as a community. And and sometimes you can just get kind of, oh, like it's so narrow, it's defined. And unless you do and and live within these well historically prescribed boundaries, man, you, you may be outside of the bounds of, of grace and love. And so I sometimes push, I have leadership and systems and processes. I care about discipleship, which is in the Bible, uh, Lutheran brothers and sisters, discipleship of others. And, and yet I can bring those sorts of gifts to the table with other pastors and, and churches. And here's the... At, permission I've given to other guys that lean into way more of those Lutheran distinctive theologies. I give you permission, if you ever hear me preaching or teaching, to keep me Lutheran, however you define that. That means you can come to me and talk to me if you hear anything that kind of perks your ears up. Um, I do not want to be a preacher that just gives people what their itching ears want to hear. That's not who I am. But if, if you come to me with that, then can I come to you and talk to you about your discipleship processes? Who are you raising up? Who are you empowering? Second Timothy 2, 2, pastor, who are the teachers and preachers, future leaders that you are actually raising up? Mm-hmm. So there's mutuality there. Mm-hmm. They can talk to me. I know my gifts. I know what could be some of my gaps. But to get to that point, man, you've got to have, you've got to have a relationship. Have you had that sort of a relationship with other pastors in your life, Gary? Uh, yes. Uh, we, we, have to, we have to learn. We just have to learn from one another. And, uh, well, you know, you, you talk about uh, all, all the practices of the Lutheran Church, and, and uh, that's not unique just to Lutherans. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's true. Of, I thought it was. Yeah. It's not. Well, no. you know. It's before and it's, us. It's our identity. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I were raised Missouri Synod Lutheran, and, and we have wandered far and wide from that. But in the end, you know, we're still coming to church here at... at uh, Christ Greenfield Lutheran Church uh, as, as frequently as any other church because it's still deeply your rooted. Heart language. Yeah, Luther says you're fine if you take the sacrament with us four times a yes, year. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I, I learned that and never got it. Never forgot it. <laughs> but I mean, now we talk about our identity and it's, it's my, it's my ethnicity. It's my language. Mm-hmm. It's where I grew up. You asked me, where, where are you from? Did you yeah, grow up here in Phoenix? Right. All of those things, mm-hmm. they, fi- they define me. And those are important things. But my ultimate identity is in Christ. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And when, when I, when I def- try to define somebody else's uh, value based not just on Jesus, but on on the things that are important to me and my identity, now we have a problem in Christ. Well, so you were talking about different denominations. Yes. Um, I don't know what you feel about this, but when we talk to our Mormon friends, mm-hmm. especially some high up leaders, especially some younger leaders, and you just hear their story and you say, "Let's really define grace." A lot of them are like right there with us. 
that I know I'm in this system. I've been born into it. It's hard to leave. I, I really love my friends, my Mormon friends um, within the, that church is what they're saying. But I, I really, def- some of them, some of them, case by case, person by person, some will define love, define grace through faith in Jesus, Jesus plus nothing. Um, and then they're just saying, let's get after it for the sake of, for the sake of others as well. Yeah. Now I can't make that statement about the whole, any church, even the losing, you know, yes. but individual people. So I hear you saying, and I'm really touched by this. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Like, Pastor, leader, and even layperson, get out of your circles. Get out of your comfortability in the same circles. Your education, what books are you reading? What stories are you? You can listen to any per. Can you listen to any person's story? And especially those that say, I'm in Christ and really get something out of that. Or even if they're not. Even if they're not, especially if they're they're not not as well. Um, We we look at the the model of ministry that Jesus has presented to us. And then then the Apostle Paul, his work with the Gentiles and the uh, the convulsions that that created. Paul ended up (laughs) being uh, executed because he was... Taking the gospel to the Gentiles. I mean, you know, he was arrested in Jerusalem. It was a riot over him taking on circumcised Gentiles into the temple, You're whether or not... talking to who? You're giving the gospel yeah, to, to who? Whom, yeah, and, and this was even within within the church, the Jewish believers within the church. So, uh, and Jesus uh, had, had no issue uh, with Samaritans. And I, I think about the, uh, you know, the story of Jesus at the well in Samaria... The Samaritan woman comes and draws water in the middle of the day. The disciples go up into Sychar to get <laughs> some lunch. And the woman comes out and Jesus, he doesn't witness to her in this kind of the mm. the standard way that we would expect people to share the gospel. Right. He just steps into her life mm-hmm. and, and she ta- asks him a profound theological question about where worship. where should I worship, mm-hmm. you know, in the Lutheran church or the Catholic church, you know? <laughs> On this mountain or that mountain, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and Jesus says, uh, uh, you know, the time is coming when all of that is, I'm going to, I'm paraphrasing, is secondary. Right. Yep. Yeah. And and uh, and she runs into the village and th- she doesn't have a coached testimony. Right. She just says, come out and meet a man who told me everything. everything. I ever did. And I, I call that tabloid evangelism because in that small community, everybody really did want to know what she had done. Yeah. And so they come streaming out of the village. The disciples come out of the village with their lunch bags and, and uh, they, they are questioning what's Jesus doing talking to a Samaritan woman. And not one of those followers of Jesus, not one of the people close to Jesus, told one person in Sychar that the Messiah was at the well of Jacob, and, and, and she you, told everyone, she and she told everyone, yeah, and, and, and it was, and it was, it was just out of her heart, and there was nothing, there was nothing f- formulaic about that, and they didn't leave them with Luther's small catechism. <laughs> or the cat, they didn't have any literature. There was now, now, you know, if you're going to follow me, these are the things that you have to have right in your life. These are the things you have to believe, you know, and, and, and ultimately this comes down to the fact that our relationship with God is based on the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Mm. And, and we have to trust that God is going to do the things that he needs to do. Amen, man. This is awesome. This is so good. We could talk for other hours. But oh, yeah. We will. We'll have you back on the show. As we close here, um, what would you're an apostolic leader. Thank you for uh, having collaboration and mission and, and showing us as younger leaders a better way forward, especially through John 17 when Jesus prays for the unity of the church. What would be, Gary, your apostolic um, hope and dream 
for the church in America? Let's start there and and, and end there today. What is your hope um, for them in collaboration and mission? For them to follow Christ. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's almost too simple. You know, people say, well, what does that mean? What am I supposed to do? Um, there's a lot of Martha in all of us, the story of Mary and Martha. She's very active, ambitious, and Mary's just sitting there. And Jesus says to Martha, your sister has chosen the better part. Because every, everything starts with, with our relationship with Christ and putting him between us and every issue and doctrine Priorities. and circumstances. Yeah. And saying with Paul, I'm crucified with Christ. And uh, I may be right, but that's not the most important thing. Am I right with my brother and my sister? Have I done everything I can to make peace with others? And you brought it up a couple of times. We live in a highly polarized, divisive world. And I read the news this morning. It's it's just crazy. And, um, you know, we can be a witness, not just of the facts of the gospel, but of the life of Christ in us, as Paul said, I have, uh, we have a treasure in an earthen vessel Mm. to show that the glory doesn't come from us, but uh, from Christ himself. Gary, thanks for joining us today. This has been very, very powerful. You are a mentor to me. A couple of takeaways for me. One is your profound knowledge of the scriptures. Very much. You've not just taught them, you've internalized them and, and uh, sought by the power of the spirit to live them out as you've loved other people, other leaders, myself included. And I am better for being in relationship with you, my brother. Um, we need more leaders that have your heart. And even though you transition, and maybe this is what we'll talk about next time, even though you transitioned into another season out of the pastoral, formal pastoral role, you have remained remarkably engaged, leading and writing and coaching other leaders. And I am just so thankful thankful that Jesus brought you into my life. Thank you so much for being here on Lead Time. Gary Kinneman, next time we will be getting together. And what are we going to talk about, Jake? We're going to be talking to Todd Freeman um, about visual arts, media, um, and how to help out uh, maybe a church or a business uh, take it to the next level in those areas. So thanks for joining us, Gary, on Lead Time. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you again soon. Peace. Thank you for joining us, Gary. Thank you. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash lead time. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.